Hello everyone, my name is Andrew Montlake, but you can call me Monty, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the next episode of Pathfinders. The Pathfinder podcast is all about the journeys we take in business and in our life. It's about the fact that the destination is not the be all and end all. It's the paths we take along the way that is a real journey. It is this that defines us and makes us who we are today. I've always loved talking to people and in doing so over the years, and especially so recently, I've found that many have remarkable stories to tell. Stories that we can all learn from and relate to, that will make you look differently at that person when you learn about their real journey rather than the one we all assume. So I'm setting out to meet real people who have inspired me, both within the mortgage, property and finance industry, as well as outside it, to hear their stories and learn from the paths they have taken, the successes and failures that have led to them becoming who they are today. We all have a story to tell, and perhaps their story will resonate with you and make you realise that you are never alone. We are all pathfinders finding our way in the world. Today's guest is someone who I was immediately drawn to upon first meeting and a person who exudes two of the values that I look for most in people, authenticity and passion. Some may see her as something of an overnight sensation, such as been the meteoric rise of her company, The Mortgage Mum, in such a relatively short space of time. But as ever, the truth may be something different. Sarah Tucker is not your average mortgage broker either, having achieved the rarest of feats by getting not one, but four turns on The Voice in 2019. And anyone who's heard her singing knows that she has a very special gift. Although her journey to pop superstardom did not pan out as planned, not not yet anyway, as a busy working mum, Sarah found her way back into the mortgage industry and founded The Mortgage Mum after seeing that women like herself, who needed flexibility in a work family that understands each other, did not have the choices that they needed. She believes that balance is a key to happiness and promotes self-development, self-care and spirituality. I'm sure her story will be of interest to you. This is the Pathfinder podcast. May the path you choose be the right one for you. Sarah. Hello. The legendary Sarah Tucker. Such a lovely intro. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so nice. I've only done it 17,000 times <laughs> to try and get it right. I should have memorised it, shouldn't I? Uh, no, I welcome to my um, rather cold, drafty den. But it's, it's lovely. I, it I like this little, little setup. It is lovely. It's nice doing it face to face. It is. I always do it behind a screen at home. Yeah, I, I've done loads behind a screen and, and I just find sometimes... You can't take cues from each other as much. No, especially if it glitches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which it does We've had tend a few to glitches. do. Yeah. yeah. We love a glitch. <laughs> we love a glitch. Um, so, Pathfinders, yes. really interesting. Your story, how you became who you are today. Yeah. What, 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 who is the real Sarah Tucker? Yeah. But before we get into all of that, how are you? What's, uh, I'm good. What's going on at the moment? I'm good. Um, I am nearly six months pregnant. I am. Yes, I can see. It's nearly Christmas. <laughs> um, it's busy. The mortgage market requires a lot of leadership at the minute, I think, yeah. um, to navigate through, you know, what's now been a very quiet time for brokers considering how busy they've been. Um, but I'm good. 
I'm yeah. in a good space for myself, yeah, which good. is nice. Good. Well, you look blooming, oh, I think is the word when someone's, <laughs> when someone's pregnant. Yeah. So you're due in when? March? End of March, yeah. And that's your third? Third baby. Yeah. Yeah, big wow. age gap though. So I've got two helpers, six and nine. My yeah. son's six. Are they really excited? Nine. Oh, they're so excited. They were begging me for a baby <laughs> start of this year. Um and we were like, no, what about a dog? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no, we really want a baby. It'd be so cute to have a baby around yeah. the house. And I I was one of three growing up. Right, okay. And when I was nine, my brother was born and Sienna's nine. Yeah. So I remember that feeling of knowing you were going to get a, yeah, a little baby in the house. you will have a proper helper there. I, well, I loved it. I was like, that's yeah. how I learned how to be a mum. Like, and yeah. I really learned the ropes when my brother was born and saw how you change a nappy and how you mm. comfort a little one and how you give them advice when they're five. Um, so I was always really comfortable around kids because of that. So yeah. I'm excited for them and me. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. So what's, um, what's a typical day in the life of Sarah Tucker like now? Every day is different. There is no like normal day anymore. Mm. That's what I find. Um, I think when you're leading, it, there isn't a normal day. It's not like when I was breaking um, but I try and pick up the kids a few times a week um, from school. That's still really important to me. I'm always at the school things, you know, like the nativity or yeah. been Christmas decoration morning last week. Um, so they kind of navigate my week and there's certain non-negotiables for me as a person, like my self-care stuff that yeah. go in once a month. And then around that, I run the business morning, noon and night, basically. My commitments are basically my family. And my business. Yeah. And myself squeezed in there. That's good. Yeah. So you're very organised then. Have are, to are, be. You, are you a list maker? I am a spreadsheet obsessed <laughs> list maker. Um, yes. Yeah. You have to be. As yeah. a mum, you have to be anyway, especially around Christmas. Um, as a business owner, you 100% have to be. Mm. So yeah, it works for me, but I never get to the end of the list. Monty, <laughs> it drives me mad. One day I'd love to just have everything done, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. No, I make a lot of lists. Yeah. Sometimes I just lose the lists. Yeah. I'm a big list loser. Oh, you actually lose <laughs> Oh, I make it. a lot of lists and then oh, I just Oh, I thought you meant like it's a strategic decision. No, lose the list. I'm beginning to think it is a strategic <laughs> Maybe decision. Maybe it works for you. <laughs> I'm not sure it does. But anyway, um, so. So. So, as you know, really interested in your journey. And, uh, and how you got where you are today. Um, but one thing that strikes me with you, as it did with my last guest, uh, Ying, is uh, your very essence seems to come from deep held beliefs around family mm -hmm. and its importance. Yes. Where does, that, where does that come from? Is that from your family background and growing yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had an amazing childhood. I have amazing parents. Um, my family was probably the biggest thing I was proud of growing up, but my identity has been wrapped around it ever since. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it is the one constant in your life. Um, if you're blessed with a family that loves you and supports you, because not everybody is, yeah. um, some people have to create their family, but I, I was very lucky and still am. And so I want that for my kids. I want them to think about me the way I think about my parents mm. and grandparents and put my own spin on it so yeah everything is around family and when they're proud of me that that drives yeah. me yeah. that drives me so what were you like as a as a as little sarah 
a Disney princess, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you know, I, that really doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. I was a good girl. Yeah. I loved Disney. I was a romantic from the second I found out about the concept of love. Um, <laughs> I was very expressive. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember those little China cards you used to get where you, they were like a China ornament, but a card and... I remember my dad saying, write something nice for mummy in there. And I couldn't fit it in because it's so small. <laughs> but I'd write elaborate birthday cards. I still do to people. Yeah. And it really offended me that people didn't do it back. So I've learned as an adult, like that express, that expressiveness isn't necessarily normal, mm. but it came really naturally to me. But that's because my, my dad particularly was so expressive. He still is, tells us how proud he is yeah. all the time you know, elaborately explains to us why he loves us, why we changed his life. And so I just think it's normal. But actually growing up, I realised it's not actually that normal to be like that. Yeah. But I was a mini version of what I am now, just I'm less naive now <laughs> than I was then. Um, and a little bit less Disney. It's been, <laughs> it's, it's been one of the things I've had to undo a little bit. Yeah. In order to survive as an adult, because it can create unrealistic expectations and yeah. that can then, you know, cause problems really. So is that but, something you've actively yeah. tempered? Yeah, uh, yeah, fair enough. Not everyone's walking around the corner and bursting into no, song. No, no. And I've, uh, I used to think, how do they all know the words? Like I genuinely was so <laughs> hooked. I'd be like, how does everyone know the words to join in in the moment on the street? I don't understand how they do that. Like why doesn't anyone do that here? And I used to even think, how come they haven't got lines in their teeth? And I have. Like they've got one straight. I just took it as reality. Like yeah. that's real. My life feels like that. That's interesting. I I'm going to find my prince when I'm older. Yeah. Um, and now I'm this, you know, you don't need a prince. <laughs> you can be an independent <laughs> woman on your own and create your own happiness. So it's bizarre. But um, yeah, a therapist said to me in the last few years, life isn't Disney, Sarah. Mm. You need to let it go. And I was like, why? You can just create it. And she's like, mm. it is not serving you to hold this belief. Um, and that was hard. It was hard for me to accept that because I yeah. thought, well, that's rubbish. <laughs> like, I don't want to live in a world that I can't gloss up. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, at that time, it just wasn't serving me. Um, it was making me want things that just couldn't, wasn't real, couldn't yeah. happen. Um, so, yeah, it shaped me in more ways than one. Yeah, definitely. And what was your, so family obviously was very strong. Yeah. What about school, friends, house? Yeah. Was, was that and, and growing up as a teenager, especially with those background thoughts that mm. it's a bit Disney when actually the reality is, is different? Well, I think everybody has different childhoods coming to school. Um, primary school was great. Mm. Everybody was a little bit Disney at primary school, right? You, yeah. You're all innocent. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was at secondary school where that didn't work for me too well. Um girls would play games with me and mm. you know just just silly th I don't know why they do it you know I still don't understand it to this day why people do that as a way of connecting with each other they talk about other people they bring you into it and then they'd come back at me as if I was the one that started it and obviously I had to learn the lesson don't talk about people in the first place and you won't get caught out doing yeah, it yeah um but, yeah, I just wasn't that popular at secondary school. I didn't know who I was. I didn't have an identity. 
I think lots of people don't, but I struggled with that. And I didn't want to tell my parents because they were so proud of me. I was this, I was someone special at home mm. all the time and I wasn't special at school. So that was hard because I'd think I don't fit in here. I only fit in at home. Um, even I had my friends, I never was without friends, but I just didn't feel like I fit in. And I still get that now. You know, that that is one of my symptoms as an adult. I'm like, I don't fit in here. I'm not one of these people. That's um, interesting. And I have to just go, well, that's okay. <laughs> that's yeah. okay if you don't fit in because you're doing your thing. Um, but I was desperate to fit in as a teenager. I just wanted to be, you know, the it girl. Yeah. I wanted to be popular I wanted to be liked I wanted to be fancy and I just wasn't until I was like 16 17 and by then you know damage has been done really mm. so what changed when you were when you were 16 17 well firstly I had my first ever boyfriend first ever kiss right, okay. at 16 which is so late like it yeah, really is so late is. um all my friends had had multiple and when you had the then. first kiss, did all the birds around you, you know, <laughs> no. start singing? And <laughs> no, I probably lied to myself <laughs> and said that it did, but no, it didn't. Um, and then I found out I could sing around the same age. Yeah. So everything kind of started coming together for me at once. Like I suddenly was, oh, Sarah, who sings? Um, mm. As opposed to, I don't know, maybe not even Sarah. They maybe didn't even know my yeah. name before that. Um yeah, so it started changing and my confidence grew from both things and I started carrying myself a little bit differently mm. um, but still had my insecurities underneath. And that, um, so that, so that's singing then. So I guess it's, it must have been quite difficult when you're, when you're not really sure who you are. Yeah. And the confidence wanes and, you know, if people are being bitchy around you and everything. And actually, yeah. that's quite interesting because... You're loved at home and that makes me worry about actually people today mm -hmm. when they're, because if, if you're, you know, we all had it at school, I'd be called names, bullet, et cetera. But at least when I got home, it stops. Yes. There's no social media. Yes. And now it's just relentless the whole it time. Is. Well, they get on their screens, don't they, when they get yeah. in and then and they're so still if, not with if you. If you're being bullied, that bullying continues, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, and it is, I think that's why boundaries around your phone at home is so mm. important. But also, I do think that the children I see, they are so different to what we were like growing mm. up. They're so aware of themselves. Um, maybe not the teenagers, they might be getting caught up in it. But certainly my daughter, who's nine, she has values. She has spirituality already. My son has spirituality. Mm. Um, they just seem to be more aware of everything a lot more yeah. like mental health is they know things that we just didn't yeah. get talked about no, when know, we were younger. Yeah. So I think they're a bit more resilient to what's ahead for them as well and a bit more able to cope so. with I it. I do worry about it sometimes. Yeah. There's one thing knowing, knowing more. So yes, my son's 14 and yeah, all his friends are Know, having anxiety about something or oh, other. Right. they talk about it openly, oh do they which is good and healthy but on the other hand it does make me wonder about their resilience but yeah i think you're right i think kids are, are more resilient every every generation is different i think we were quite a naive generation actually yeah yeah we were coming out of the property boom I mean, and there's something around it i'm sure i've read it that 
you know, we were just growing up in good times. Yeah. So that resilience, we didn't need that resilience as much. Whereas if you think what we've all been through recently, COVID and what our kids yeah. have been exposed to, I don't remember anything like that happening when I was younger. No. Like no world events really caused any no. other than 9-11, but I was a teenager by then. Well, I'm a bit older than you. <laughs> Not that much, are you? I don't know how old I'm you are. I'm quite a lot older than you. <laughs> are you? So, yeah, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, we were the we were the sort of the 80s generation, which actually was a threat of nuclear war. Oh, wow. We were talking about it the other day, oh, actually. So, yeah, yeah. we actually you'd have public announcements and adverts about what to do if there was oh, a really? nuclear missile going off. So, oh, yeah, gosh. it's quite, it had its own, yeah, yeah, that's its own little thing. That has a, that's yeah. a world event, definitely. <laughs> anyway, it's not about me at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so, so singing is, excuse the pun, obviously in your blood. Yes. Um, <laughs> well done. And, I like that. Uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I wrote down in preparation, actually. <laughs> um, so, 17, you said. Yeah. Where did that? Where did that suddenly come from? You didn't know you could sing before or? I mean, I used to sing along to everything. Yeah. Like Whit- our house was Whitney Houston, Celine Dion, the big divas all the time, Mariah yeah. Carey. So I used to sing along to those things and I, I could sing along to them, firstly. Um, but I didn't know if that meant I could sing or not. I just had that, mm. can I sing? I, I don't know how I can find out really because... To find out you've got to sing to someone, yeah. and they might say, yeah. no, you definitely can't sing. <laughs> How embarrassing that you thought you could. Um, but my teacher heard me sing as part of a group and he sort of said, oh, I think you've got a good voice. I think you should sing in the talent show. And Pop Idol was like the thing then. Right, yeah. So I was obsessed because to me that was, the, that was popularity wrapped in a package. So I was like, that is what I want. Yeah. I need to get on a show like that um, now, tomorrow. And that will solve all my problems at school. And, yeah, I say once I did that sort of show at school, definitely people found out I could sing then. But I got my first rejection, like, within a week. I, somebody said, there's a competition in Basildon next week. You should go. And I went and I sang Alicia Keys Falling. And now I know I sang it completely in the wrong key, like the whole song. <laughs> right, okay. It's a hard key that she yeah. does it in um and they criticized me and I couldn't take it like I couldn't take the criticism yeah. so I just didn't sing anymore after that really? till I was 21 oh wow so actually that really knocked your confidence yeah well I'd only just got a bit enough to get on yeah. stage um I think I, I must have done a few I don't know if I did do any more actually after that but when I was 21 I had hypnosis done not for my singing for something else and it made me it removed something that mm. stopped me singing. And so I started edging out and singing to my friends with the door closed and then the door was open. And yeah. then I'd go down to the like open mic night and I just started building confidence. Um, yeah, so it started to change from there. Mm. And so when did, when <coughs> did you feel you were comfortable enough to do the voice how did that come about i did every talent sh- like every tv talent show i did every year yeah from the age of 18 <laughs> never got past producers um but it was so weird i had no confidence to do it anywhere else but i would take it there like i was all or nothing in that respect because that was the big dream yeah so i somehow found the strength every year to do that audition 
to cry over the rejection and then to reapply the following year because then I'd watch the series and I'd be like, I just had this gut feeling. I mean, I've got my journals from all those years and I used to just say to myself, that is going to happen to me one day and you've just got to keep going. And every year I thought, this is my year. I feel different this year. Yeah. I, got longer hair this year or you know that Leona won last year my voice is similar to her so you know every year I told myself this was my year um, and it, it wasn't and then when I hit the age of 23 I was obsessed about meeting Simon Cowell because all my mates said you can sing but I wanted to know can I actually sing mm. well enough to get on one of these shows and if anyone's going to tell me it's going to be him and when I got to age 23, I actually got to sing in front of him. I got the call. I've got through one round and then the next and then the next. And I got the call and they was like, we're doing an arena tour this year. So actually you're going to be singing in front of an arena. And I was like, oh, that's better for me than a room. Like much yeah, better. Yeah. And I got like sound innovation. He said, um, they said amazing things. Like I was like Mariah Carey, da, da, da. He came up backstage, said, I want to meet you. I want to meet your dad, shake his hand. And I thought, I've done it. I've done it all these years I knew it I knew it was going to happen but it didn't work out like I went to boot camp boot camp was like school times a million the most confident I say that because now I know people can be extroverted and not confident yeah Yeah. but my god these people were like another I've never been around people like it before I can imagine it was hard and you had to share hotel rooms with people that you didn't know and the first night we stayed I remember I stayed with the girl and she's like how are you feeling I'm like oh, I'm scared I've never been away from home before other than uni which I lasted 11 weeks and um she said oh I'll wake you up in the morning that like, I'll set my alarm I'll wake you up in the morning because I had to be downstairs for five I wake up at seven she hadn't wake me up she packed up her whole suitcase and off she went and then I thought I'm not going to be okay here because I need a friend like I was I didn't do anything on my own yeah I was in London which I always have a fear around London and I just thought (laughs) shit I'm out of my depth here people were playing games all week like that yeah um we got fed in a homeless shelter we had food poisoning we were told our songs at like two in the morning and up by six and dressed it was like a proper boot camp, like, and I did not cope with mm. it at all. Um, yeah, so I didn't get through. I got to like the last hundred, and then yeah. I think it was like three in the morning. We got pulled downstairs, had to wait around, and then it's crazy, they were like, "We're going to do a, a dramatic last minute cut," and I got cut, and yeah. um, and I didn't get shown either. So they did all this filming at home. Mm. At my work, and I didn't get shown, and I was like, mm. "This is what the hell is this? This yeah. is meant to be the Disney um, dream." And yeah, and, I, and my whole family kind of then turned their back on the whole thing. They were yeah. like, "Yeah, I don't like this. Don't want this for you." So then it just became very different. You know, yeah. it just had a different vibe to it. So yeah, that's really there's a, there's a lot of stuff in there. The um, so what what was that driving force? towards I want to I want to be did you want to be famous yeah was it that you just what was it I want to show people who 
thought I was nothing that actually I am Miss Popular or I or think that was it? definitely an element. Fame, popularity is the same mm. thing in my head. Um I still Which we know to, it isn't. It isn't. It definitely we, isn't. we definitely know it isn't. Yeah. Um but then it was. So yeah. I think it was definitely yeah, misconstrued Disney-esque belief about fame. Yeah. That I still have to challenge myself on and say, that's not what you'd like. Yeah. You would not like that life. And I'm like, yeah, I would though. Yeah, and I'm well, like, I'm you same. wouldn't yeah. like that life, I think Sarah. I'd love that life, but I'd probably hate <laughs> no, it. No, you'd probably hate it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was driven from that, mm. from a teenage need to be someone. Mm. Um, and I still think that's a big driver now. Why do you only last 11 days at college, you, uni? 11 weeks. 11 weeks, sorry. I chose Lincoln University really far away. Mm. Didn't like being away from home. It's basically like school again, but didn't get to go home to my parents. Yeah. I didn't like drinking. It's like drink culture in in university. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it well. Yes, yeah, it like Freshers' yeah. Week, I was like, oh, yeah. God, I've got to drink alcohol. Um, <laughs> and I just didn't like it. You know, I just wanted to be at home. Mm. Um, I was doing media. <laughs> I don't know why, because I don't have a desire to do media, really. Mm. Um, yeah, I didn't like it. It was the first time I disappointed my parents, as far as I'm concerned, because I was like, I don't like this. Yeah, They paid for a whole year of rent, and I was like, I'm going to come home, sorry. So what did you do then? Um, I just mucked around for months and then I had to have a stern talking to by my dad yeah. who said to me, life isn't Disney. <laughs> I thought you ought to be a Disney princess, a but you've got to get in the real here, world. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to get a part-time job. And they were like, why part-time? You're 18 years old. Mm. Um, and I was like, because I don't want to work all the time. Like, I want to be part-time. Um, but they weren't having it. They were like, you're going to get a proper job and you're going to start working um, now. So, yeah, I had to grow up, like, and get a job and become a travel agent and a recruitment consultant and, you know, all various other yeah. jobs that led to mortgages eventually. Yeah. So mortgages was, um, you just sort of fell into it? Yeah. Like most of us? Yeah. Because we all did, all sort of fall into it, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Rob Jupp owned a company. Yeah. Um, I was a recruitment consultant and I went to visit his company to find out what they needed to hire. And I walked in and was like, I want to work here. <laughs> I came home and said yeah. to my boss at the time, which was a brave move. I was like, look, I know this is really awkward and I know I've only been here a few months, but I really want to go for this job myself. Mm. She was like, I respect your honesty. Um, I was trying to drop and see. And then I had an interview with Rob. He offered me the job. I loved that job. Like, yeah. I just loved it. Yeah. Um, but then the credit crunch came. <laughs> My job went with it. Yeah. Um, but I always had like a fond memory of mortgages and the industry. Like even then, I didn't go to any events or anything yet. I was just an administrator then. Um, one of their first ones or maybe even their first. But the whole like culture at the company, I loved it. And mm. I think now that is the industry. Like we're all quite huggy and... Yeah. Like it's not, yeah. it's an office with loads of emotion wrapped around it is how I describe the mortgage industry. Oh, I like that. And it's, um, 
it's special mm. when you're someone like myself. I like the corporate office style stuff, but I love the real emotional like hugs yeah. and we used to hug each other in the morning when we got there. And I just used to love it. I used to think, oh, this is where I can work. I like this. So we'll finish off on singing with the voice. Obviously, yeah. that was a big one. You've envisaged it. You've yeah. walked on stage. Oh, yeah. You've sung. Now, I do remember it. I do, do remember you, genuinely? that series. Genuinely, genuinely remember that oh, series. Oh, that's good. Um, and yes, you got four turns. Mm. What did that feel like? Validation for years. Great of words, years validation. Of rejection. That mm. was the moment like that I'd been writing about, waiting for, had in my gut. And, you know, I knew it on rehearsals. I knew it. As, I knew something was going to happen to me that year. Yeah. I could feel it building through the year. My self-confidence was growing. I was looking after myself. I was talking about the law of attraction. I was talk, teaching Sienna loads about manifestation. Mm. And it was all leading to somewhere. I could just feel it building. And I kept saying to people, there's something happening. Like, I'm going to put myself forward for the voice yeah. or something. Something is going to happen this year. I don't know what it is. Um. And obviously got through the different rounds and it was just dreamy, you know, the whole way it was playing out from yeah. the first audition to um, to that moment. And when I went on rehearsal, I always knew it was a particular stage um, because way back when, when I was 16, a lady, I had a clairvoyant say to me, you're going to be on a stage. There's so many people cheering for you, but you are going to have such a long journey to get yourself there. But when you get there, it's going to be amazing. Ooh. And she said, but you must never give up and your mum is not going to want this for you. So, and she didn't. <laughs> and so, wow. but that powered me on. I'm so glad I saw that woman. Yeah. Every rejection, I was like, well, I'm one step close to that stage. I yeah. knew it was going to happen. Yeah. But I, I used to cry and be scared that it wouldn't because I'd think, what if, she was, what if it's never going to happen for me? Um, but as soon as I walked on for the rehearsal, I'll never forget it. I'd they took because you never see anything everything's so backstage and then all of a sudden they said we're going to just take you so that you're not shocked on the day mm. and I walked on and I literally cried and they were like are you okay and I was like yeah it's just this is the stage <laughs> and they were like oh bless you <laughs> um but and I felt so ready until the day yeah and on the day and I had the same thing when I went on this morning recently because that's yeah. something I dreamed about yeah. On the day, my mind trips out and goes, shit, you are about to do the thing that's a defining moment in your life. Yeah. Everyone's watching. What if you mess it up? What if you let everyone yeah. down, sir? Yeah. What are you going to do that. if you yeah. do this? That's classic. And it's so hard though because in the moment, yeah. even though you know it's normal, you genuinely think, what if this is the time that I fuck it up? Mm. And this is the time that I... Like my biggest regret in life, you know, had the my had the had it right there. Yeah. My opportunity and I've ballsed it up because of XYZ. Yeah. But thankfully, something did take over. And when when I was singing, there were so many thoughts going on in my head. So many thoughts of just, you know, trying to be calm, trying to breathe. I can see Jennifer Hudson's hair. Um, they're not turning. That you've done the highest note. 
<laughs> of the whole very high note. Yeah. song and they have yeah. not turned. What yeah. more have you got? Because obviously we could see their reaction. Yeah, but I couldn't see it. anything. You can't see it. And I didn't really know. I yeah. knew the voice was hard. I knew it yeah. wasn't like X Factor. You couldn't, no, just, no. couldn't just yeah. have a story. No. Um, it had to be good and it had to be great. And I was like <laughs> at backstage with loads of people who were so confident. And I remember thinking when I saw the reds, oh, this is going to be so much harder than I thought it was going to be. And then there was another voice that just came in and said, close your eyes, you have 10 seconds, sing. That's all you have to do. And then I just sang for 10 seconds. And you'll see if you watch it back now, I've told you, I don't open my eyes at all from then on. It was like a close your eyes and just sing, do not think about anything else. And so I did. And my stomach was vibrating with the like last (laughs) note, but I heard the turn. I heard the crowd. I could feel the crowd was behind me the whole time, but I didn't understand why they were still red. Um, And I heard the crowd getting wilder Mm. and then I heard the turn and I heard another one and I heard another one and then I opened my eyes and I thought, but she hasn't turned and she's who I wanted. Yeah. And just as I finished the note, I thought, okay, I've got got a turn, I'm through. Um, And again, when you watch it back, you can see it. And I was like, okay, she hasn't turned, but that's okay. And then she turned and I was just like, oh, like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And just to see their actual human faces, yeah. feel the crowd. It genuinely felt like a dream. Yeah. Like I genuinely thought, is this happening? It's the most out of body mm. experience. And it was electric. Mm. Like there was nothing like it. There has been nothing like it since. Mm. Um, and I genuinely, it changed me for the forever. Like I did the hardest thing and I did something I knew I was capable of doing and didn't believe I could do. Mm. And so many people doubted me along the way. Um, and the best thing of all is Sienna was watching. Yeah. And that was the best thing because she does remember it. She was five. My son does not remember it at all, bless him. But my mum and dad and my husband and my daughter saw it firsthand Um and it was just, yeah. And I remember speaking after, my dad was like, your speaking was just as impressive as your singing, just so you know. Like, I've never heard you speak like that. And I was like, yeah, it just felt so, all of it just came very naturally yeah. in that moment. Mm. So I just evolved into mm. whoever I was going to become, which is who I'm more now, really. So there's, um, there's obviously a whole podcast on just your experiences. Yeah, I know, voice, I have to I'm be careful. Massively, <laughs> I'm going to massively fast forward. Yeah. And again, genuinely, I remember when you went out. Mm. And I also remember us shouting at the TV. Oh. Genuinely yeah. going, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. That's, that's, that's weird. So I don't want to dwell on it too much, but that that immediate feeling mm-hmm. when you've been in this bubble, I assume it's like a bubble. Yeah, it's amazing. People saying, you're great, you're great, you're mm-hmm. great, you're great. Yeah. And then it's, that's it. Over. It's done. You're out. You walk. Yeah. And then what What are the next couple of days like? Awful. Like that moment when she said her name, it was a physical crash mm. in me. That's how it felt. I thought, no, <laughs> that that's not what she was supposed to say. Like that wasn't what's supposed to happen. And that's how the whole room reacted. Like, I shouldn't say that because it makes me sound um, less humble, but it was a real drama after. Will I am got on the microphone, 
he was asking the audience, who thinks Sarah should be staying? Yeah, in? it was weird, wasn't um, it? But that didn't obviously get aired. But uh, you get walked in a different direction if you don't get through. Yeah. Your hair's getting pulled out. Your hair extensions are getting taken out before you've even processed it. Um, they want their stuff back. You're in a tent to get out and oh, it just feels horrible. Nobody yeah. knows what to say to you. Your mum and dad, everyone's so used to walking the other corridor yeah. where they're all crowded around these interviews and it's so exciting. It just felt really cold. Mm. And um, and there's no support after all. They tried. I mean, anything. they called and said, are you okay? How are you doing? You know, yeah. they tried, but... Um, it's grief. Like it was, it was grief. Yeah. I, I was just so, and nobody knew. The worst thing about it was I had to pretend for three weeks that I was still second favorite to win. Mm. My battle hadn't even aired. Mm. So I still had posters all around Lee of me. People were putting hundred pound bets on to, for me to win. And I knew I was out. And so I was doing the school run with so many people coming up to me, kids coming up to me with yeah. their little posters and people saying, oh, my husband put a hundred quid on you at the weekend. Oh God, that's so hard. And then my battle aired and yeah. then people really thought I'd win because Will I Am said best singer that's ever been on yeah. The Voice. Jennifer Hudson said, you're my favourite voice in the competition. And I'm thinking, well, can't be because you put me out last week. Yeah. So <laughs> that didn't last long. And it looked like I was, I could win it. Um, and I had to act as if I yeah. could, even though I was crying most of yeah. the time at home um only and I couldn't tell people because it was going to breach contract but I did tell my closest friends yeah. and then they played me on Lorraine randomly and announced a lifeline and they called me and said your favorite to be the lifeline you're very likely to be in the semi-final and I was like oh, this is what it's meant to be this is how I win I'm going to be the underdog Oh and now, and now this is how the universe is going to support me because yeah. it knows I needed that kick up the bum to get me to appreciate what was happening. So now I'm so ready. Prepared my semi-final song. We need to get you ready. And then they aired um, out my episode the week before the vote. And I thought, why would they do that? Like they should have aired me just before the vote. And then they aired on the second week. I've gone through all the things and I still knew I had it on the app vote. And then they played one last contestant and she absolutely smashed it. And I thought, I just knew then, I thought, mm. no, she's going to get it. And she's the so last So you sort of person. had it taken away from you twice. Yes, yeah. twice. And um, we got the cool. phone call and we were so in contact, all of us. And um, everybody had their phone call except for me and two others. And I was waiting for them to turn off at my house. I was so sure this is not how it's supposed to end for me. Yeah. And then they didn't turn off at my house and I got a phone call and I was in the kitchen on my own. And I got the call and I was like, here I am. And they said, Sarah, I'm so sorry, you were so close. And I literally just fell on the floor. Like I just was like, this can't be done. And they were like, it's done. Sorry. Take care. We'll call you next week, say how you are. Yeah. And I was like, my mum turned up with the kids. Sienna had done a poster, Mummy, my mummy's the lifeline. And I just couldn't even talk. Like I was just crying and just said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do now. Like, it's done. Yeah. The whole thing's done. 
And mum's like, do you want me to text everyone? I was like, I don't care. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I want. Mm. I just want to be on my own. Um, and at the same time, we'd launched the Mortgage Mum, like company. Yeah. And Jamie called me, told him, and he was like, don't, do not let a TV show ruin your life. And I was like, yeah. Jamie, this is not a TV show. This is my, this is so much more than that. Like, you don't understand. This is not a TV show. This isn't just a one-off thing. This is 16 years of my life. And now I don't know what to do because I've been on TV already and no one's ringing me. I've had yeah. millions of views on YouTube and nothing's happening. I can't even go on TV anymore because I've already done it. And he's like, so let's do the mortgage, mum. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I've got it in me. Like, I just need some time on my yeah. own. And he was going on holiday for two weeks and he said... I'm going on holiday for two weeks. I'm going to ring you in two weeks. You make a decision in that time and tell me what you want to do. But I'm telling you, you are better than this. Like there is so much more ahead for you. Like you've got to use it to do good, to do something that you're passionate about. He's like, I know people that are failed singers. It makes them miserable. Like you're better than that. Give yourself a chance to do something different. And I was like, whatever. You know, and I just thought you don't understand. Yeah. And a few days before he got back, I got a piece of paper and I was like, what is the mortgage mum? Bubble chart. Duh, duh, duh. It's flexible working. It's this. How will it work? Duh, duh. What would the model look like? Split the commissions. And I'm like, it does seem like a good business idea. And I haven't got anything else to do. And there is people that would benefit. Mm. And I don't want to be no one again. And I thought, I, I don't want to just walk back into Affinity and be a broker that was on The Voice. I don't want that for myself. Mm. Like, everybody knows who I am now locally. Everybody is interested. Everybody's going to say, what are you doing next? I don't want to say nothing. I'm going to say, I'm starting a business. That's what I'm doing next. And it's going to be amazing. I'm going to help women all over the UK. And that became my thing. Mm. And so it was driven and born out of grief like it wasn't born out of passion it was born out of grief that's a really really interesting sentence it was yeah that's the truth um and but as you I, had that passion that you wanted to do something different in that industry yes and you wanted to help yeah that was there a year women. before the yeah. voice and that initial idea yeah but then the actual making it of up it, like that for yeah. Pop superstar. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was never planning on setting it up as a company. I wanted to bring women into Jamie's business. Right. And I would look after them and earn myself a bit more money. Mm. I never planned on having my own company because that was overwhelming to me. I was a perfectionist. So to me, I'm like, no. You know, I used to look around Jamie's office and think, how, how do people do it when there's so much to do all the time? Yeah. <laughs> and here I am in the midst of that exact life but yeah um I say it to the mortgage mum team I said it a year ago today that they healed me they don't know they did that but they did one woman at a time they healed what I mm. had been broken and that's why I I one of our values is lift as you climb and I said to them it's so much more than me coming up and taking you with me like you all lifted me and you don't even know it that I was broken when I started this business and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And you've given me such a purpose. Mm. 
and now I will always give back to you and that's my new mission um but yeah I'd love to say yeah you know I just knew it was gonna be this great idea <laughs> no that like, I just needed something but that's the point of this it's really interesting that yeah. you, the path you've taken so the mortgage mum would not probably have been what it is now without that journey no and without that grief no and without that determination the voice would it without the voice like yeah it gave me the confidence but it also it gave me this like sense of what have I got to lose how much worse can it get Mm. might as well but Jamie will tell you those first six months he was dealing with a lot of emotion we were working with a coach who was aggressive in nature right and it used to come out all the time I used to suddenly go I can't do this. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't I can't deal with this. This is too stressful. And for years that's happened where I've got to places and thought, I don't need this. I don't need the stress of this and not being paid as much as I was. And um, it's not going anywhere. And you know what? I'm meant to be doing something different. I'm meant to be singing. I'm meant to be writing a book about something. Like I'm not supposed to be doing this. Um but every time I'd sleep on it and Jamie would, you know, okay, well, let's talk tomorrow. Um, Do you still go through that now? No. When was if the last time? Last year. Before the awards, before we got everyone together in person. Mm. I used to have it still. Um, and then when I saw everybody and saw everyone in real life, not just on Zoom screens. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no, I'm right. I'm home. This is where I need to be. Um, and that hasn't left me, thankfully, because this has been a really hard year in the business it at times. It has been a tough year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Jamie's been incredibly patient over the years. Um, but it's because he's my friend as well. So he knows. He watched it. Yeah. He watched it all happen. So, yeah, he's had to be patient at times. <laughs> <laughs> so building the business, how many of you... Are there now? There's going to be 41, 41 or 42 in the new year. Wow. Yeah. That's all in. All in. All in. Yeah. So there's three support staff in there. Yeah. Management. So it's 35 brokers. Right. Maybe 37. Yeah. And that's in quite a short space of time. Uh, so people tell me, but I have wild plans to be 60 of us by now. So, <laughs> so you're so, behind target. Well, we, we didn't retain everybody. Yeah. That's the truth. You can't retain everyone. I did never I accounted for retention. Them. No. No. So I had 20 a year for yeah. five years. I'll have 100 by the end of year five. Yeah. I didn't account for any one of those leaving. Mm. And actually in the first two years, our retention like percentage was lower um, than what it is now because mm. we've had to learn obviously yeah, really hard lessons about recruitment and yeah. um, who can make it as a broker. Yeah, Not everyone can. And do you take that personally? I used to. I had, um, I have definitely progressed with that because I had one person leave this year yeah. who I wasn't expecting. And for the first time, I didn't take it personally. I just was like, okay. You, you're on your yeah. journey. I'm, I'm happy to have played a part in it. Um, but at the beginning, yes, because I it was my thing and I used to think I'm not doing good enough. Otherwise, they'd stay. Mm. But at some point, you just can't. You just can't take on everybody's stuff all the time. No. Otherwise, you drown in it. That's where I was. 
And those were the days that I went, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do it. So what are your, what are your coping mechanisms now if, in, in the, you say it's been a tough year, you're running a, a growing business, all, yeah. of, all of the issues of that, that throws at you? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I definitely feel like I've got more resilient over mm. the years, um, just naturally. I mean, most recently, it's the sa- saging myself on a bath. I know that sounds like random. It is random. And I, I my husband thinks I'm nuts. Like, came upstairs, the kids go, Mum, it smells of lamb up here. <laughs> it smells of lamb. Because <laughs> it's sage being burnt. And I'm like, well, Mummy needs to do it. I've, you know, I need some clarity. <laughs> and I'd got the advice from someone. Sage, you know, you yeah. need to sage yourself at the end of the day. You're taking on everybody's oh, stuff. I might try that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, honestly, it was really good. And then I had a bath and then the clarity comes. Yeah. And I, I genuinely get so much clarity. I've had business speeches come to me in the bath. I grab my phone and voice note it and I send it to the team that night. Mm. And those are the moments that they go, oh, I really needed to hear that. That was so powerful. Um, but it's not always easy, especially because mm. I work in my bedroom. Yeah. So everything is wrapped up in my house. And so it's hard to let go of, keep it all separate, yeah. really. It's all kind of blends into one. So the, the sage in the bath's been a good technique recently. <laughs> um, there you go. Sage in the bath. Sage and a bath. And a bath. Yes. Burn the sage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are a couple of things um, that are really interesting in, in terms of, so obviously it's a mortgage mum. Yes. And obviously you know everything we're trying to do in the industry around Equality, yeah. equity, uh, inclusion, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Have you, so most people seem to have gone, yeah, brilliant idea, brilliant concept, yes. obviously. You are you are the brand you are now. Um, have you found anyone being negative yes. as well? Because obviously, you know, you do hear it sometimes, or oh, why isn't there a mortgage dad, for mm-hmm. example? Um because sometimes the dads do get forgotten, especially nowadays. Yeah. Um, when there's a lot more joint parenting going off, and 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 one of the issues with men sometimes is is they still feel. And I spoke to someone the other day actually, who said, "Yeah, when I have to do the school run, I just tell my boss that I don't feel well oh, because no. I'm too scared to actually, as a man, say, well, actually, I've got to do parental duties.'" Wow. Which is That's quite, which is quite interesting. So, how have how have you coped with the positives and the negatives? Yeah, I was really surprised by the positives. It took me less time to break the industry as a concept mm. than I thought it would. Um, thanks to people like yourself, to be honest, because that first podcast led to so many other things um, where people got to hear what I had to say. And Mm. that's half the battle really is getting yourself in the room. So always grateful for that. Um, But people were far more open and welcoming to the idea than I thought. But even from the first year, I remember going to the park and a man coming up to me in the park when I was with my kids and saying, are you going to open the mortgage dad? And I said, well, actually I, I bought the name anyway, just in case I need, the mortgage dad <laughs> right okay um and I said so I I'm prepared to do it if it's needed and I said but I don't think it's needed I think there's lots of places that men can go to that will mm. suit them here um I'm trying to create a space that isn't there and he was like 
Right, yeah, because I'm thinking about doing my CMAT. And I was like, look, if you ever need any advice, I'll tell you. There's so many places you can go. Yeah. Trust me, you'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and he never needed me. So, you know, that's just an example. Um, but yes, recently, I think the more successful we've become, sadly, the more criticism we've received, mm. me particularly. Um, and that question is coming up a lot. There was a whole thread in a broker forum recently saying, um, do you think the mortgage mum hire men? Um, or I think stick on a dress and a wig, you might be all right. Um, tell them you're non-binary, maybe they'll let you in and all of these comments. And I thought, you're completely missing the point. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to act, I'm not trying to elbow men out of the way. Um, and the concept of equity versus equality is the best way to describe what we're yeah. here to do. And I hope, I always say, I hope there's a time we don't need the mortgage mum anymore um, and we can just sit equally with everybody else and it's not about what the you know it's not about what the messaging is it's just that we're a really good mortgage firm same as everyone else um but right now and when I started the business there wasn't many women in the sector and if they were they were having to work a certain way for it to mul for them to do well and mm. they were having to maybe conceal parts of their lives or not have those parts of their lives in order for them to climb the ladder and I I believed that there was another way and that you didn't have to apologise for being a parent. Um, and that was by accident. It was genuine. I used to do live videos and hide my motherhood all the time. And then accidentally things would happen, <laughs> like the Amazon driver would come or the school would call or my kid, my toddler would run into, come out of his nap and I'd be in a live video and say, I'm so sorry. Josh was just wake up in two seconds and he'd be on my hip. <laughs> yeah. And that's how my singing video started because yeah. people loved it. They were like, hello, like, this is a real human being. Yeah. And we really love it. Like keep yeah. your son in the shots. So then I'd yeah. do pushing on the swing, talking about my extension being done. And and so that's when I started to realise people don't want to subscribe to this anymore. Like there's a there's room for me to start doing this. Mm. Um, yeah, so now it's about reminding people that then and still now – we're not all standing on the same playing field still and we needed this space to raise, to add to awareness of the issue that there needed to be more women here, there needed to be more, they need to be given more room um, firstly to be able to grow a business if they're a parent because their lives look different and childcare is not cheap so it's not as simple as just paying for a nanny mm. so that you can, you know, do your job. There is another way um, and I think we're getting there now. So hopefully, I mean, the next, we've had made so many advancements, haven't we, in the industry with diversity yeah. inclusion, particularly yeah. in the last year. So we, we've started the journey. Yeah. We, we've made some advancements and, and the stuff you're, you're doing is great and it really helps. And, yeah. and people for the first time, I think, can see thought leaders and leaders that look like them and have the same values as them and yeah. their, their lives mirror well, your lives mirror what their life is. Which is amazing. Which is, which is good. But there's a lot of work to go. Exactly. Yeah. And, and until then, it's not that we wouldn't take on men. There's men that we've interviewed over the years. But to be honest, the only men that come to us to want to be interviewed have had interviews with everyone else and doesn't don't get hired. <laughs> right. And they say, oh, I just want to get to CAS and work from home. Yeah. That's not enough. I'm like, still waiting for my uh, feedback on my CV. I think. <laughs> 
But I do think there may be a man, you know, I'm looking for the right guy at some point. Like, it would be great. Can you imagine? It will silence everybody. Yeah. First man enters the mortgage mum. Um, but look, Jamie runs the business with me. He's a guy. Like yeah. it's, we have that male voice around the room. We're not underrepresenting um, in that area, but mm. it's very clear there's lots of women that want and need that space mm. and it helps their family lives too. And you're a, you're a fabulous marketer in, in terms of Thank what you, you do on social, obviously. Um, Thank you. I constantly say to my team, look at what the mortgage mum are doing. We need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't nice. we doing that? Um, but again, you, I guess, and, and I found it in, in my career is... Yeah. Do you get do you get times where people go, oh, it's a mortgage mum again? I'm sure. Oh my god, she's bloody everywhere. Yeah. Um and and that how do you how do you deal with that? Um yes, I've had that a lot recently. Mm. I, we've landed TV this year, which yeah. was a goal of mine. Unsurprisingly, now you know my story. I just translated <laughs> it into the world yeah, of mortgages. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. Validation equals TV to me. <laughs> so I wanted to get on this morning because to me, I was like, that yeah. is validation for me. Um, I didn't get on there on the voice on this morning and I wanted to take my mum to this morning because that's her one of her life dreams. And so I was like, oh, maybe I could do it at the mortgages. And it, for years I've di- tried to, you know, hi. I own a company. It'd be really good mm. to talk about how I've gone from the voice. No, they just don't reply. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, and they've prepared me the, this morning said, um, as well as any other TV thing, um, we're very hot for people to talk on Twitter about you after. Are you prepared for that? The voice were the same. That's and um, they said, are you happy to do it? Because yeah. um, it's a very contentious topic. People have very strong opinions. I said, yes, I've had yeah. media training in The Voice. I know not to read it and not to reply. That was the key message. Never write, never reply and try not to read it yeah. if you can. Um, but one of my team called me a couple of weeks ago and said, say, I don't know how to say this, but you're being spoken about loads on this broker forum and it's awful. And I was like, okay, well, leave them to it. I'm not going to give it yeah. any energy. I'm not even going to read it. And they were like, yeah, you might want to read it though because they're talking about reporting you to the FCA and it's making us all really uncomfortable. We want to, we want to jump in and say something. I was like, do not say anything. Just leave them to it. Don't say anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, And an hour later I looked, (laughs) (laughs) I came off the phone. I thought, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I don't need to see that. I'm too busy to see that. (laughs) It's not going to help me. And then I looked and um, it was a still of my face and people saying things like they wanted to throw things at the TV, that I'd made them so angry, um, that I was pissing them off, um, that I make it look so easy and glossy and it's anything but do I actually, like, would the FCA be happy with what I've said? Should we report her? And then that's led to like, uh, is her business even, you know, does it even have a quality in the Equalities Acts? You know, isn't she just... What would they do if we set up a business just for men? How would they cope? Then? And that was going to be my point. Yeah. If so, I I have had certain abuse. Blah blah blah. You know. Yeah. I'm one surprised one that. said uh, it was me and the BBC in league to try and artificially grow house prices. It was a massive threat. <gasps> I had loads of what? loads of things about that. Oh my for, gosh! Like, a few years ago, um, which wow. got really out of hand. But. Uh, but that's quite rare. 
And my point is, if you were male, do you think you'd have had that same vitriol? Mm. Maybe not. Because it's only recently that we've had lots of different spokespeople in yeah. the industry. Before, mm. there were probably two or three of us mm-hmm. who were always on everything. Yeah. So thanks for taking all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're still everywhere. You're still everywhere. <laughs> um, no, I want it. I want as many voices as possible, especially diverse ones. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't see that same that, – that's really surprised me. It's personal, um, more personal yeah. if you're a woman. But you know it's jealousy, right? I do, you do know that um, or that it's, you know, their stuff yeah. ultimately, like their their lack of, you know, being able mm. to show anything but kindness is their mm. stuff. Um, equally, on a good day, I'm fine about it. But I had some bad days where mm. um, just things happened in the business like it does when you're a boss. Yeah. You know, people had stuff going on and I felt like it was coming from all sides and I just thought, this isn't very fair on me. Like I'm heavily, you know, I'm pregnant as well. And I thought, come on guys, like, can you all just appreciate, like my children said it best. If I came off, I think I finished at half eight and I'd had just, just a real day of it. Um, because people was, people are scared. Mm. And unfortunately you're the parent in that situation. And so they bring their fears to you and it's hard sometimes. And I came downstairs and I'd been crying because it all just got to me and the kids said mum get in our bed they were like don't you don't they know that you're that you're making a baby at the moment and I said yeah they do darlings but mummy's job's to look after lots of people um and that's just what mummy's here to do and they said yeah but they should be looking after you you're the one that needs looking after at the moment and I said I know it doesn't quite work like that it's just the way it is mummy's mummy's the one that looks after them and they were like, I'll oh, come in with us. We'll look after you. And I just thought, yeah, everybody needs reminding that I am only human and yeah. that I also need supporting sometimes. Um, so then it got to me because then I just mm. felt like, who are all these people and what, you know, mm. they don't realise I'm I'm a mum and a person at the end mm. of it all and that it's not okay for me to be feeling like this. So I did call it out. I don't know if that was the right thing to do. I went against my advice of leave it, don't acknowledge it. Mm. Um, but yeah, do I think it, I think women in general, you see it happen all the time. Like mm. women get boosted up, boosted up, boosted up, and then it's a media pattern. That, and thankfully, this isn't the public. This is people in the industry, which I prefer to be honest than it to be on Twitter yeah, from I a understand. load of people yeah. that don't know me at all. Um, because I can say it's jealousy, whereas if it was just all over Twitter, I'd think, mm. well, people genuinely hate me. <laughs> like, they don't, you know, I'm genuinely not good at this. Um, but it, it happens time and again. Like, it's a pattern. They get raised up. You know, you look at Britney. Any of these amazingly successful female celebrities have had this, not I can't even liken what I've had to what they've had mm. to endure. Like, Caroline Flack is a major example here. Yeah. And they tear them to absolute mm. shreds. I'm watching the Harry and Meghan thing and it's shocking. I that yet. Yeah. It's shocking. I know people all have an opinion on her, but <clears throat> it's it's bad mm. how people just accept that that's the way it is. It doesn't have to be. Um, so, yeah, people should know better. Yeah. Certainly in our industry, we're such a good industry. Yeah, I would have expected industry. more, really, from people yeah. in it. And it wasn't just men, it was women and men yeah. joining in. So it isn't 
necessarily a gender thing. It's just a it's thing. Diff- it is difficult when you, you put your head above the parapet, you, you expect. And yeah. then it's also quite, actually, it's a human nature thing. I was going to say it's a British thing, but it's an American thing. It's an everything thing, isn't it? It you is, You put your yeah. head above the parapet. Does it make you think that actually there are, there is such thing as overexposure and actually I'll tame down a bit? It makes, no, it makes me the opposite where I, I really dispute people that say, well, if you're famous, it's part of the package. Like my husband said it to me earlier and didn't realise it was going to wake a beast. And I was like... <laughs> That's ridiculous. And he's like, I'm just saying, you know, he wasn't talking about me. He was talking about yeah, you know, a celebrity. Yeah. But he was like, you know, if you want to be famous, that's what you sign up for. I went, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Everybody that accepts that means it will continue. If people want to be known for something, they don't sign up for all of the abuse. Yeah. They don't sign up to have no privacy. And there still should be some human element. I said there needs to be a little bit more control around it. Um, but there's a fabulous speaker, Brene Brown. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. And she speaks about, she's the most amazing influential speaker. You have to listen to her if you haven't before. But she speaks about the man in the arena or the woman in the arena in her case and how um, you can't take notice of anyone else except the people that are doing what you're doing in the arena because it takes so much guts just to mm. put yourself there. And it's so easy to sit on the sides and throw stuff at the person in the arena. And yeah, it's easy. It's so easy, but, yeah. if you, but you shouldn't listen to that. You should only listen to the people who are doing what you're doing. It's people like yourself because otherwise you don't understand. Mm. Um, but it is, you know, we're only human and... Yeah, on a bad day, it does affect me. I'm not going to say it doesn't. Is there such a thing as overexposure? No, because I don't want it to change who mm. I... I think there's more good that comes of exposure than bad. Um, and I disagree with people that say it's just part of the package. It shouldn't have to be. And if we just accept it and don't try and change it, expose it, um, it will just continue. We I need agree. people. Totally agree. That's a really good way of looking at it. Um, I could talk to you for for days. I could talk endlessly <laughs> just in general. But I think here. you could talk for days. <laughs> good, I did try and warn you. <laughs> um, but I've got two questions left. Um, okay. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, one of my coaches on The Voice said, trust the process. And I thought it was absolutely rubbish at the time. I was like, no, I can't trust the process because I don't know what's going to happen. But I think it's so true. Um, Trust the process because even when you're in the darker moments, there'll be something that comes of it that later you might sit on a podcast and reflect on. And um, it all forms part of the whole bigger picture. So, yeah, whatever stage of the process you're in, trust it. I like that. like that a lot. And I don't know why where I got, got this even question from, actually, but I am going to ask everyone here. If you could meet anyone in history, oh. alive or dead, who would it be and what would you ask them? Oh, that's such a good question. The person I most want to meet myself is Oprah, but I don't know what I'd ask her. Why Oprah? I just, I love, I just, she's inspired me so much over the years and, and many others. Um, 
And I think similar things to her, I just don't say them. And mm. I'm like, when did you start saying these things in the way that you say them that then get turned into mini reels? Because it's remarkable. But when did she start doing that? Like when, what was the moment you knew you had enough weight to you that you could say these profound life mm. lessons without people going, what do you know? Sorry, what do you actually know mm. to be able to say these things? And I think that's what I'm chasing myself is I want to have enough substance to me that I can start talking about the things I actually think mm. about, which is, relates to everybody. It doesn't just relate to mortgages. See, I have a different view of that. Oh, go on. I think you have that now. <sighs> I think we all have that now. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need weight behind you to say things mm. that you really want to say and that can help someone. That's so interesting. I really don't. It's I, probably I, I, I a lack of enoughness, you, you isn't need, it? You don't need weight. It's just you just need to say it and put it out there. And if you help one person, you've changed the world. Mm. I'll, maybe I'll take that then. Maybe I needed to hear that. There you go. So it was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've loved uh, it. Thank you so much. So I've, I've really, it. really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. And um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you are watching, it's the first time we've done it, uh, a video. If you like this, please pass it on to others. Leave a rating, leave a review. Um, I do have another 15 people lined up over the next 12 months or so, maybe a few more actually, uh, from all work, walks of life. And I'm sure you'll be interested to hear their journeys and where they've come from and the paths they've taken to get where they are today. So this is the Pathfinder Podcast. May the path you take be the right one for you.